This is the NROI Podcast, your source for factual information for USPSA and SCSA competition. This podcast is brought to you by the National Range Officers Institute, United States Practical Shooting Association, and Steel Challenge Shooting Association. Goal rule books can be found at uspsa.org rules, scsa.org rules, and on the USPSA and SCSA apps available in your Apple App Store and Google Play Store. All rates for this podcast are reserved. No portion of this podcast may be used or redistributed without written permission from the director of the National Range Officers Institute. Rules discussions on this podcast do not constitute an official ruling. The discussions on this podcast are meant to inform and educate. The only official rulings are published as per the bylaws of the United States Practical Shooting Association. Questions about rules should be emailed to rules at uspsa.org. This is episode 48, recorded early February 2024. Well, hello, everybody. This is Kevin Emmel with the NROI Podcast. As usual, joining me is Jody Human. Good evening, Jody. Good evening. And our director, Troy McManus. Good evening, Troy. Hello, everybody. All right. Um, yeah, it's doesn't seem like it's been two weeks since we did a podcast, but by golly, it's been two weeks. So here we go. Um, got a fairly extensive list of things to talk about tonight. And uh, I thought we'd I just kick it off by mentioning something that appeared on the last podcast. Some people may have noticed it. Some people may not. Um, our podcast distributor has a new feature that allows us to add uh, chapter markers throughout the podcast, which allows you to zip forward and hit certain topics or find them again if you're looking for them. Um, or I'm going to be... De- spending more time trying to get the chapter markers lined up. In the last episode, I more or less just put in one for each of the rule books, but going forward, I'll try and spend a little more time dropping chapter markers in. So for if your, um, however you digest podcasts, um, does support the chapter markers thing, then uh, you should be able to use those, I think. I I haven't tested it myself yet. So um, um, I, I was... I, I bet... This would be a popular request based on some user feedback or listener feedback I got. Would be yeah. add a add a marker right after all the intro. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. So like right here needs to be a marker. Um <laughs> it's actually an AI process that adds those and then I can go edit them. So uh, okay. Um, so who knows what all that means. But this first time using it was last week and I was learning. So Anyway, um, the other thing, major, most of the time we spent last time talking about the rules update that's coming and talking about some of the rule changes and why we, why we did them. Um, and, uh, those rules, if you have been paying attention, have not been published yet. So I don't know if we have any updates on where we are in that process or are we still thinking the 14th or are we thinking probably more like March 1st? Right now, we're waiting on um, some board action on one particular thing that they wanted some clarification on, and I haven't received anything from the entire board yet, so uh, that rule itself was not necessarily a deal breaker, at least not for me, and I don't think it, you know, it, it, the rule is what it is right now. We were going to change it, but um, I'm not sure that it necessarily needs to be changed because may cause more problems than it solves i don't know so we're probably going to go ahead and and uh undo that change and 
publish the rules because that was the only thing that's holding us up. Everything else has been approved. So I'll notify the board on that uh, one day and see what uh, what they say about it. Um, and then we could probably proceed from there. So the 14th, maybe a little early, I don't know. Um, maybe the 20th or something. I, I couldn't give you a good timeline, but it'll be this month. So, And just remember, other than production 15, everything we talked about is not in effect yet. <laughs> Correct. Right. Yeah, and production 15 is rocking and rolling, but. And despite the two students in my class last weekend that were going through the book on the app, trying to find where it said production 15, <laughs> we, it's, it's not in the book yet. You just, it's just one of those things you have to know because we're not going through the thrash of publishing a, a book just for, to change one number. Um, so. Yeah, that was, it caught my students too. Yeah. Yeah. But so it was a good teaching opportunity to yeah. talk about the rule change. Yeah, and if I'd been on my feet, I'd say, so I want everybody to find the new production 15 round <laughs> rule in the rule book. Go. It'd been a good time Gross. to go get coffee. Um anyway. <laughs> um no, had a no had a had a great seminar down in uh down in Arizona and really enjoyed it. Good folks, um, good folks, good food. And the coming home part was horrendous, but hey, it is what it is. Hey, I came from Boston on Sunday, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you probably got home. I didn't get home until 11. I got, I drove into the garage at 530 Monday afternoon. I was supposed to have flown out of Vegas at 540 Sunday afternoon. So. Yeah, it Mr. was Mr. Biden helped you out. Mr. Biden helped. <laughs> he scrambled the airport. And isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Well, and I don't I get why he just land at the Air Force base that's just over there. It's more secure. Oh well. Right. Yeah. I sat at the New Orleans airport while Bill Clinton got a haircut one time many <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One time when I was coming to Spokane, we had to circle for a while because I think the vice president was in town. Yeah. And I can't remember if he was landing or leaving. I don't know. But yeah. Now I got home Sunday night at, well, Sunday. Got to, I was, it was midnight when I got to my house. So yeah. <laughs> Monday, I, was, Monday was a long day. <laughs> I spent Sunday night sleeping in the sea concourse mm. at, uh, well, it used to be called McCarran. I don't. It's named after some senator or somebody now, but uh, Harry Reid. Harry Reid. Yeah, Harry Reid. Um, yeah. So the the corner in gate C one over in the corner. That's mine. Damn it. So you were you were like Tom Hanks when he got stranded in that airport forever. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. You never left. No. There was <laughs> nowhere you do to all go. day Monday. You had to wait for flights. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, they they rebooked me. I didn't I left at 6:15 Monday morning and uh flew to Phoenix and then caught another the flight um from Phoenix to Spokane and yeah, it was wow. and I was yeah. I didn't get a lot of good sleep, so it was it was a rough day, but um yeah, I got home. It's 
you know, of all the times I've flown for classes, I think I've had two real bad ones. And, uh, so <laughs> I'll take it. Um, that's, I'm probably well above the normal average for people. So, yeah. but, um, all right. The next thing, um, uh, we've talked about this a couple times and that's the steel challenge, uh, RO seminar. Um, I kind of think I lost a few people in my seminar last weekend cause it was predominantly steel challenge folks. And, they were saying that they were telling me that some of the folks that had planned on being there just decided when they heard that there was going to be a steel challenge only, um, they just decided to wait for that. So thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So I, I have a a fairly rough approximation of the presentation for it and it's out for comment right now. Um, I sent it to all the range master instructors, um, excuse me, with a request to not judge the um, layout of it and design, but the content is what we were looking for. It is a little bit rough on some of the slides. I I need a few more pictures and some videos, but uh, I've got some feelers out for that as well. But I also sent it to several people that are prominent in the Steel Challenge uh, uh, world, right? So they've given me some decent feedback on it. And these are all kind of diehard steel challenge folks. So I'm going to make a few adjustments to it. But uh, overall, the reception was pretty good. So um, they didn't say, hey, we hate this. Uh, You know, you got to redo it all together. It sucks, whatever. Uh, Just a few things like there's some redundancy in a couple of slides. And one slide needs to merge with another. And I get it. Um, So it's hard to tell what you want to put in there and what you want to try to teach and what direction to drive that without some input from the folks that, that do it all the time. Right. I mean, I shoot still challenge, but I'm not as, uh, uh, constant with it as some of these other, other people are. So <clears throat> there are people from all over the, all over the country, uh, all, all corners of the, of the USA. So hopefully they, they give me some good feedback. I've gotten some already. And uh, if they can give me some pictures or videos and stuff, what I really need, if any of you have it, is a video of a of a RO not doing a very good job on a steel challenge stage. So if <laughs> we we have a what not to do kind of presentation thing, so we have one in the in the USPSA RO seminar with terrible range commands and and just terrible range procedures. Period. Uh, if you could, if somebody has one that shows that for a steel challenge and the RO could be anonymous or whatever, I don't, I don't really care. Um, or we could get permission to use it. Um, then yeah, I'd like to have that because that's one thing I think I'm sorely missing in that presentation is a what not to do kind of video. So that's the state right now. I'm shooting for getting this out by March the 1st. There's some other things that have to happen. We're going to have to revamp the final exam for it. And uh, uh, Jody reminded me of that. Thanks, Jody. And also, we need to get a selection on the webpage when you're asking for a seminar, uh, whether you want USPSA or Steel Challenge. So that's a Rick thing. We'll get him to build that in, and I think we'll we'll be good to go. So. And one question I got this weekend is if we would take, we're taking down the steel challenge endorsement. And the answer for that is no, because if you're already a range officer, you need 
that path to get to your steel challenge certification. So that will remain. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to make you go to another seminar just for that. Um, I mean, at some point it may be viable if you, you know, if you come up and say, Hey, look, I've, I've got a USPSA range officer certification. I've been doing this for years, but I do mostly steel challenge. Can I attend the seminar and get my uh, endorsement? And the answer to that would probably be yes. Um, there's no reason not to. Some people prefer in-person uh, teaching than, than doing it on the uh, on the computer. So I think we can make allowances for that. Um, but, you know, it's going to be attending a seminar. So it's going to be a, a personal choice. But, yeah, you can do that. Uh, but the difference is the, uh, the cost for the seminar is going to be the same as for a a USPSA seminar, which is $40 a person. Um, I don't know how we're going to, how we would work it. If you're already certified and want to do endorsement by attending the seminar, it might be a, if we have seats available thing, it, it won't cost you anything because the endorsement on the webpage doesn't cost you anything right now. So we'll just have to see how that works out. We'll work something out with it though. But those seminars but, are still got the same minimum cost, right? Correct. Challenge. Yeah, still be yeah. the same minimum cost, still challenge our USPSA. So, like so I don't club, think that'll be a problem. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, for clubs, you know, usually they have to pay $800. So that's like 20 students um, as, the, as the minimum cost. So if the club is needing, you know, paid bodies in the seats, <laughs> they may have concerns about endorse people who just right. want the endorsement coming in so it might depend. yeah that's not a hard and fast rule but yeah we'll see yeah but i mean it may be worth it to to spend your 40 dollars or whatever the club charges you to get the in-person yeah uh training as opposed to doing it because i well, mean you've already got the in-person training when you do the endorsement right. part right so yeah we'll figure it out it's all that, that'll be something that will work out yeah <laughs> Yes. All right. Um, then the next thing on the list is Appendix A1 and match levels and what what match level, if you're doing a state match or a section match, you know, what are the what does the rule book say about what level of match should that be? I think Jody, I think this was your topic you wanted to talk about. Oh, because I got asked it. <laughs> so if you look at let me open the rule book so I don't misquote things. Um, if you look at Appendix A1, it lists all the different match levels and requirements for said matches and everything. And at the very top, it describes match levels. So level one is club matches conducted on a scheduled basis throughout the year. Okay, that's your local match. It's no big deal. Level two is a sectional or state matches conducted on an annual basis. So I live, you know, uh, the Inland Empire sectional in the Tri-Cities, Washington area is an annual match. They do it every year. Uh, so they run it as a level two. A level three match, which would be your area matches, are annual championship matches conducted by USPSA areas one through eight. Um, occasionally, we've had a level three that's not an Aryan championship, which is cool, too. And then nationals, of course, are annual USPSA championship matches. So 
the question was um, a section coordinator. There was a club in the section who agreed to take a turn hosting the section match that year for the year and uh, was wanting to host it as a level one match instead of a level two. Even though they, uh, you know, they, the plan, the section match is always a level two match. And I was kind of like, well, in the rule book, it says any section or state matches conducted on an annual basis are level two matches. And so I kind of was like, section and the coordinator have to work that out, right? Um, from what I understand, it was because the club, this would be their first level two match ever, and they're a little nervous about it. Um, which is understandable, but yeah. really a, a level two match is not that big a deal. Um, nope. Get yourself a good RM and a good MD and you're a long ways down the road. And it does give your match a certain level of status too, which I mean also comes with a certain level of expectations. So right. I think that's where the nervous part's coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I mean – when I first started, yeah, no one, no one was not that many clubs were hosting level two matches. And then I think we started educating people about level two match status and what, it, you know, you get, you get, it gets listed on the USPSA website. It gets published in the magazine. So free as advertising in the back of the magazine, they have the club, the match listing and people were like, okay. So they started running level twos. They then realized, Hey, if we run this as a level two, we can charge a little more uh, for uh, the match fee. Exactly. And fund some club improvements, buy some new mm-hmm. steel targets or gizmo targets or whatever, or put up some shelters on your stages or whatever. And, you know, the clubs, a lot of clubs have running a level two match down to a science. Mm-hmm. And it is a good way for them to build money. They buy a lot of extra targets and pasters, which they then use rest of the year. And don't have to buy them for the rest of the year. Um, and really, the thing that draws people to level two matches is the idea that it's a practice for like an area match or if you're going to nationals and stuff like that. So, you know, I well, know plus it's drawing people in from all from a bigger region. So oh, if yeah. you have, you know, you're competing against your peers from a bigger area which gives you a little bit better judge of where you stand skills wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause it's, if you're the, you know, the top open shooter in your club, but your club is 15 people, you may not be all that great. <laughs> um, or maybe you are, but you know, you go out to a sectional and uh, you know, there's 40, 50 open shooters there. And you, if you come in in the top five there, yeah, you're probably okay. You know, probably pretty good, but so it's, right. it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good test. And, um, they're a lot of fun. I actually, in a lot of ways, I like level twos more than, I, than areas because mm-hmm. areas tend to be pretty congested, but level twos tend to be a little bit more open. Well, and also, right. you know, when you run your first level two, I've seen it happen. So section match used to be level one. It became a level two. Okay, that was cool. And they got better and better at each level two. Then they put their hat in to run the level three area area one match. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden people were like, Who are you guys? You know, because they hadn't the section match was still in its infancy. They'd only run it for like four years. 
and didn't have wasn't as well known, you know, outside the section. And so we got a lot of unsolicited free advice on how to run a area match. Yep. Um, and then when people came to the area match, they were like, Oh, you guys did it differently, but it actually worked really well. Yeah. And then after that, because the area three match was such a success, their level two match just keeps growing and growing and sells this year it sold out in four minutes, four minutes. Yep. So wow. the thing is, if you start I mean, holding that's like 150 twos, slots. I yeah. It, yeah. If you start holding a level two match and get, you know, get a good reputation of holding level twos, maybe dip your toe in and volunteer to host the area match. But what it does is it builds your club's reputation and your match reputation. Mm-hmm. And then your, your matches sell out. Um, yeah. The first few years of a level two, you may, you're going to have to work hard to convince people that it's a match they want to come to. But once the word gets out, yep. you know, go with the momentum. Don't try to squash it. Well, and with a level three match, and this goes with tier three matches and steel challenge as well, you qualify for a half price seminar. So whichever seminar, you know, you want um, of the ones that we travel and do, you get a half, you get a half price seminar to bu- help build staff for that match. So uh, that's kind of the idea of doing that. So, I mean, it's all around. There's a lot of good stuff for for doing bigger matches. We don't do that for level two, but we do it for level three. Um, so it's a it's it's worthwhile doing. Mm-hmm. One of the other things for level two is a lot of people. That's their major match for the year, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that's it is a major match, and and that's the one that they go to. But because maybe they don't have to travel so far. It doesn't cost as much, whatever. They still get to shoot with their buddies, but it's a different level of match than your regular club match. You should expect more. You should expect more from the staff. You should expect more from the stages. And a lot of people go to their section or state match and that's their, that's their major for the year. And, you know, that's great. I mean, that's, that's how those matches uh, uh, do their thing is with people coming to shoot them and, you know, not everybody gets to go to nationals, right? Not everybody wants to go to nationals. Not everybody wants to go to the area match. Mm-hmm. But your section or state match should be kind of a welcoming thing for anybody and everybody in that section that wants to go to it, you know? Yeah. So that's yep. their major, and, and, and that's what they like. I mean, and that's so. the fun part about larger matches. And you have your club matches. You're, you're, fun, you're glad to see all your fellow shooters at your club matches, but you get to meet a whole new group of people at section and state matches. And so you get to see them every year and same thing with nationals. (laughs) Don't be afraid to squad with somebody new. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's kind of part of the fun of it is getting squatted with a whole bunch of, I mean, I've done that a couple of times, jumped into a match and maybe I'm with one friend and we end up being squatted with a whole bunch of people. We don't know by the end of the match, you know, those people. And, you know, right. I made some pretty good friends that way. So it's, you know, jump in, the water's fine. Yeah, that's one thing. USPSA shooters, uh, you know, are, are very nice people. Um, By and large, yeah. For the most part. Um, <laughs> and so it's really fun to shoot with people, especially when it's, you know, newer people in the sport. And, you know, it's it's amazing how, we can spend a whole match talking about the sport, about gear, about new guns. And like, I've shot with some people for years and 
I don't know what they do for a living because it's just <laughs> never come up. Yep. And then I see them out in real life without a hat and shooting glasses and earmuffs on and don't recognize them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. A lot of them, a lot of the guys don't have hair under the hat and I wouldn't have <laughs> expected that, um, which is part of the reason I don't recognize them. <laughs> yep. Um, one year, my first nationals I shot, my brother and I shot them were at the match and we were at, we came to awards and we were looking for a place to sit. And Brian's like, why don't we sit with these people? And I'm like, who are they? He goes, that's our squad. And I took a closer <laughs> look. I'm like, Oh, I guess it is. Yeah. They, <laughs> they cleaned up nicer on. than you thought they would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember at one point it was starting to get dark one day at the end of the day. And we all put on like clear yellow lenses in our glasses and everyone looked completely different. Cause it was, it yep. wasn't, it was in Vegas. Right. So we all had dark glasses on most of the day. So. That's a good point though. I mean, there's, there's a lot of commonality in people that shoot this sport. And like you said, you talk about your guns, you talk about your ammo, you talk about how you shot the stage. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of doing the same thing, but you know, that guy shooting before you or after you, he might like baseball and you don't like baseball. He might like, you know, <laughs> soccer or might not like any sports he might like to ride his motorcycle but it never comes up really right i mean it's your differences aren't that different when you're all doing the same thing on a range somewhere yep so i ran into a guy this morning uh because i had a harley shirt on and he said hey nice shirt and he had one on and we got to talking right so some complete stranger and i talked to him for about an hour <laughs> it was like yeah <laughs> That was pretty cool. So, but you know, when you, when people have a common thing, they kind of tend to bond a little bit. And that's always been the great thing about USPSA is people, you know, you make new friends, you, you have a good time. Everybody's kind of doing the same thing and facing the same challenge. So it's, uh, it's well worth the the effort, I think, to, to put into promoting a level two or a level three match. The other thing, you know, that, there's always a carrot and a stick, but I mean, if you have, if you're going to call your match the ABC section match and run it as a level one, it's not a section match, right? So it can't be counted like that. Can't be counted if you're using that for section points or slots or anything. It's, it's you know, you're running a match in violation of the rules. So um, level one is great. Everybody does that. That's club matches. Uh, they still have to follow the rules, but level two do as well. So do level three. So if you're going to change your name or your section match to something else or, or not run it as a level two and run it as a level one, then it's not the section match. I mean, te- technically it can't be recognized as the section match or your state championship, whatever, because that's pretty much spelled out in the, in the rules as well. Yep. All right. And I know I, I had to be the bad guy and mention that, but I mean, <laughs> it's a fact of life. <laughs> well, you're all thinking it. Um, <clears throat> got a question this week from a shooter that has a pacemaker in his left shoulder, which is a, they typically put him up around the collarbone. And uh, they, he was questioning what would happen with the PCC if he had to shoot weak, weak shoulder, weak hand. Um, because with the pacemaker there, he can't really shoulder the PCC appropriately. And, um, that's, you know, it's, it's, again, this falls under uh, rule 10 to 10 and you need to talk to the range master and 
figure out what you can and can't do and get an exception or whatever needs to happen there uh, to accommodate you. That That's for pretty much any uh, reason that you can't do whatever is prescribed in the stage. Not that you don't want to do it, but that you can't do it. So that that is the difference. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, well, you're probably not going to get the exception. Right. right. <laughs> so uh, to me, I mean, this is just like if, like the rules say, if a stage calls for weekend and you can't physically use your weekend, then you're allowed to shoot with your strong hand, right? So, I mean, this would be mm-hmm. a similar circumstance. You may have to, I, I don't know how I would solve that problem if it was brought up to me. I mean, shoot on your right shoulder, but pull the trigger with your left hand. I, I don't know how I would do that, but I mean, um, it doesn't seem like an insurmountable problem. You just have to figure out how to do it. And I don't think there would necessarily be a penalty for it, but depends on how you read that rule about weekend strong hand. He should have a laser on his PCC just for that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Should have a laser so you can hold it at your hip and just shoot targets, right? It's like a laser. (laughs) I know I used to, I used to mess with my dad with, he had a pacemaker and I had a, you know, one of those fobs you can use at a gas station. Your uh, speed pass. Yeah. And I asked him once, you know, how did you, how do they check it out? You know, when you go to the doctor's office, cause they would speed his heart rate up and then they would drop it down and he goes, Oh, they have a little fob. So I pulled my gas fob out. Let's see if this works. He's like, get away from me with that thing. (laughs) You have to be careful where you go. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. But I mean, I think that would be, the rule you'd have to use would be the weekend stronghand incapacitation kind of thing. Yeah. And there's, you know, you there's lots of people in our sport with lots of different infirmities and lots of different things that they have to deal with all the time. And part of the fun of being in the RM is figuring out how to treat those people and give them an equitable right. shot at enjoying the game. So, right, right. Yeah, we're not going to make you do something that's going to hurt you or damage you. you mm-hmm. know? Yep. So. You know, if you make me go prone, I am not going to be happy about it, but I can do it. So I will do it. Right. Uh, but Just don't I won't be happy about it. The, on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. Prone should be the last spot in any stage so that nobody has to climb back up on the clock. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and if you don't think that's reasonable, uh, wait till you're about 60 and your knees are shot, and then come back and see me. So, right. Are you rolling around like a turtle? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, the turtle on his back. Just don't break the 180. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, there's that. So, all right. Um, and it seems like ever since, who was it, Sig brought out, the yes. X series guns with the comp mill into the slide. And there have been, you know, comps are kind of the latest, the other latest thing in carry guns, right along with dots. They've got, you know, everybody's carrying basically a mini open gun um, as a carry gun. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, Glock has had ported uh, carry guns for years and years. Um, but uh, that's bringing on a whole new rash of people, you know, wanting to know 
where their gun fits in terms of what division they're in. Um, and a lot of times we had somebody this week that was shooting uh, open or limited optics and uh, well, their gun had a comp on it. So they were really shooting open, but uh, so well, then, then we had that question about it's a, it's a something that attaches to a light rail on a pistol mm-hmm. that adds a comp at the end of the barrel. Yeah. It's still a comp. Right. It's still a comp, but yeah. Yeah. It used to yeah, be. The rule book doesn't say that it has to be screwed on. It just says it's integral to the gun. And that's the definition of integral is it's all one piece. Yeah. And it, it makes a whole. So a comp is a comp is a comp. And all of the manufacturers call them compensators. They don't call them anything else. So, yeah. I mean, it's hard to get around that, right? This isn't a compensator. Well, uh, yeah, it is. SIG calls it a compensator. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even if they were to call it a muzzle control device, it's still a compensator. It's still the same still thing. still a compensator. <laughs> you know, I, I remember. Yeah, if, it, if it's diverting gases, it's a compensator. Yeah, I remember back in the day when you used to get a brown, an actual printed Brownells catalog. Um, and uh, I was paging through it. And, they, you know, there were several companies making you know, bushing compensators for, you know, single stacks, you know, that just yeah. the comp that replaced your bushing. And it's like, yep. bet those suckers get hot. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, so there's lots of, there's lots of ways to do it, but they're all comps. And when you have a comp and it's a handgun, welcome to. Yep. We used to, we used to have a division that guns like that fit into. It was called modified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it could have like a single port comp or something. So like the old, all the old bowling pin guns. Yeah. So you could have a dot, uh, you know, a dot and a, and a little small comp and it was called modified. And I mean, I, if that division still existed, a lot of these guns, especially the more compact ones would probably fit into that because the comp's not big, right? It's not a big four chamber comp with pop holes on the barrel and all that stuff. It's, usually a single chamber compensator, mm-hmm. but we don't have that division and it, it's not coming back. So <laughs> if you got a comp <laughs> on your gun, you're an open. You're an open. Yeah. Yep. Or go, doesn't the Ipsic still have modified? Yeah. So well, they have modified, but I don't know if it's the same rules. Yeah. I don't, I no idea. Um, we have modified in the multi-gun rules, but not yes, in the, we do. Yeah. But Ipsic, Ipsic still has modified, right? Um, and handgun? I don't know. I didn't really go look in their divisions. It might still be there. I don't think I've ever seen anybody shooting it in any of the Ipsic matches I've been to. No, a lot of those, I know, last time I paid attention, those guys were just using popple holes um, because they had to fit the box. So oh, yeah. that's that's a pretty brutal gun. Popple holes are evil. I, I don't know why anybody would willingly shoot a gun with popple holes, but oh well. Uh, I, I will well, point out that, that Adam R- Popperwell would argue with you. Oh, I'm sure Adam <laughs> would, and but you know I've ro'd enough of them. And I've shot them. It's just they're punishing. You were saying, Jody? Oh, I'm I'm in the Ipsic rule book, and they don't have chapter headings on their PDF or section headings, so it's kind of painful. All right, they got open, they got standard, they got classic, they got production. Production optics. I guess they got rid of it too. Revolver. Yeah, they don't have it anymore. Okay. No. 
So, all right. The other thing, and this these came out a while ago, and uh, I I've shot one, and I went, hmm, that's cool, and never built one. And that's the uh, the so-called sight tracker guns. And we've had a couple questions come in lately about that. Troy, you were, you were handling should, those. Maybe we should explain what they are. Yeah, that'd be a good place it's to also start. No, also known as sight blocks. Yeah. So basically, you have a attachment at the front end of your gun where your front sight's on, and it doesn't move when the slide cycles. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it looks, it, it's actually resembles the slide. The slide is actually cut off a little bit, or they put a slightly longer barrel to accomplish it, especially mm-hmm. in like limited. That's where you see them mostly. Yeah, yeah. Slide tracker. So there's a piece of steel out there that the front side mounts on, and it sits on the barrel itself. It's not ported, it's just a weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sits out there, and they, they came out with it, it was called a sight tracker. And then the slide is cut so that it meets up with it, and you got a little shorter slide. But in single stack, um, and then I, in uh, probably production and carry optics, it wouldn't be legal because I think they all state about the same thing. Single stack is P5 number 22, where it says devices to control recoil, et cetera, can't be added to the gun. So that's what it's for. It's basically a weight. Um, Despite the fact that you can hang a flashlight or something on your single stack gun now, but um, uh, the weight on the end of the barrel violates that rule. It's number twenty-two in the in the Division Five uh, rule set. So I got that question today, and unfortunately, they, luckily the guy was gonna buy this gun, and he said he wanted some advice before he bought it. So yeah. hopefully. That helped him. Uh, yep. I had a question last week from a guy that bought a couple of pistols, 1911 style pistols, but their their holes cut in the slide, and he wanted to know if they were legal for single stack. And I was like, No, they got a big hole cut in the slide. <laughs> and he said, Oh, well, I have two of them, and these are not inexpensive guns, right? <laughs> I mean, I have two of them. Where can I shoot them? I was like, Limited, limited ten, limited ten. 10. Limited 10, yeah. You know, yep. I mean, you could shoot it in open for sure, but he's like, well, that's, I don't think that would be very competitive there. I said, no, it wouldn't be, but limited 10 would be your place. Yeah. Yep. Um, they were 45s. So, I mean, he could use 170 mil, uh, right. Millimeter yeah, magazine. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, be competitive in L10, but not with the, it was just, you know, so I bought these two guns and they're for single stack. Is this cool? And I'm like, yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we, yeah. When we get those emails, like I just bought this new gun. Is this legal for this division? And you're like, Ugh. it's hard to write that email back and say, oh, actually. Um, right. Yeah. It's hard to tell them that because if you go look that gun up, which yeah, I had yeah. to do, cause I, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with that. I was like, holy cow, look at the price on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but he was he was good with it. He was like, okay, I'll just shoot it in something else. I just love 1911s. I was like, yeah, I like them too, but, you know. Mm-hmm. He wasn't mad about it. He just was going to shoot him somewhere else. So hopefully he does well with it in L10 because it's a couple of damn nice pistols. Yep. Yeah, it's always, 
you know, the uh, site tracker guy, I read that email and he was like, well, you know, talking to my friends and, you know, the forums online, everybody's saying it's legal. It's like, well, they were wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. What? Wait, wait, wait. You're saying everything I read on the internet is not true? Uh, that could be, that could be the case. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> everything you see on TV isn't true either, Jody. What? <laughs> Judge Judy's not really a judge. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Neither is uh. Judge who's Walker. the other dude they got on? Well, Walker. No, no. Uh, Wapner actually was a judge, but yeah, I think yeah, Wapner was. Uh, what, no, Brown, no. something Brown, isn't it? Uh, what's the yeah, Leroy Brown, there's a guy. He's a comedian. He's oh. on there now. <laughs> Shoot, I can't. I, I don't up, watch. Yeah, he's you know, he's not maybe. a judge either. Uh, <laughs> damn. Oh well. All right, and uh, our next one came in um, actually from a foreigner um, who's doing some multi-gun courses, and um, apparently they're using our multi-gun rules. And he was asking about using prop guns and. Try. I know you have personal experience with prop guns and multi-gun match because somehow you got assigned to the stage of multi-gun one year that had a belt belt-fed machine gun as a prop gun. Oh, not sure how that worked out. But. So I have, let's. I have. I have ex- at the Tri Cities match every year. We'd start a stage with a Red Rider BB gun. Yep. You had to shoot three clay pigeons, hanging clay pigeons. It was amazing how many of the the guys had never shot a Red Rider and needed a lesson. And nobody shot their eye out. No, no. We had eye protection on anyway, so. <laughs> so did Ralphie. I mean, so there is a rule. You can use a prop gun. Um, the main thing is if you use it, make sure you have a backup in case it breaks. Yep. And it may not be required. It may not be required to engage more than three targets before abandoning it. Um, and you, the prop gun and all related ammunition and equipment will be provided by the host match officials and be the same, be the same for all competitors. So it's two, two, eight in the multi-gun rules. Yeah. And it's, it should be stressed. This is multi-gun only. Um, I have been at handgun matches that were ostensibly level one USPSA matches that had us start with a prop gun and, uh, Double barrel shotgun was one of them. Um, and that's the prop guns are not legal in competition roles. I think two of the best, most fun prop guns I ever shot at multi-gun matches. One of them was a six shot Smith and Wesson revolver. So you had six rounds on three targets, right? Okay. And you were sitting inside of a minivan when you picked up your revolver and shot and then you dumped it in a bucket. And then the other one was a an M two forty golf uh suppressed machine gun that belonged to Surefire. And we we broke the belts into ten round uh belts and you had three targets behind a car and you had to you could shoot them with that thing. It had a little uh, oh it had a dot on it, an EOTech dot on the top, but it was suppressed. And you could you could we had to mount it to a table 
right? Yep. And then cut a hole in the table because it ejects out the bottom and all the links and the hot brass was getting all over <laughs> everybody. So we had to cut a hole in the table for it to go down to the ground. But uh, that was, man, that was a real kick. Everybody loved that one. Yeah. It, and it kept Barry from Surefire busy going up there and, and, uh, cleaning it, cleaning yeah. the comp. He just spray it. He, just, <laughs> he must have used six cans of brake cleaner during the whole match. He just spray all that gunk out of it. It'd be all over the place. It'll work now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And, uh, then finally, yeah, we get a fair number of questions. In fact, I had questions about this this weekend at the class, and people were asking, "Well, how do we get a set of overlays other than coming to a class?" And and uh, you know, we've we've kind of talked about that here on the podcast before. But um, let's see, are they in the store yet? I know we were going to put them in the store. I don't know if they're there yet or not. I don't think the store exists yet. Or oh, well, okay. that part of the store doesn't exist yet. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was told they have. 5,000 overlays for the store. I'm not sure that they're set up in the store yet. Um, you can still, until they get them in a the store, if you just need a set, I've been asking Terry to mail them out. Um, if you need them for your section match or your area match, we'll certainly give you those for free. Mm-hmm. But you need to email Terry at USPSA.org and, and tell her, hey, I'm match director for the Indiana section. And I need 30 sets of overlays and she'll send them out. Right. But we are going to start selling them in a store. Uh, the shipping might be an issue with those. I was, uh, we have to work that out with uh, how we're going to do that. But well, that's the overlays themselves won't be crazy expensive, but that's where you go in with your fellow club members or whatever, buy a large stack of them, split it. Right. Yep. Yeah, because otherwise it's a buck fifty for a pair of overlays and four fifty yeah. for shipping. So, yeah, yeah, actually, I mean, that's like, pretty it's close. Not, it's <laughs> yeah. like they—it's not like they go bad. So you just buy yourself a little stash of them and don't have to buy them for a while. Yep, right. Yeah, and well, you let them rub around in your pocket or your wallet for a while. They get kind of cloudy, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than that, they all have a hole in them, so you can put them on a lanyard. So you know you don't have have to let them rub around in your wallet six months out yeah. of the year until you use them. So. Even when they're on lanyards or clipped to your range bag, they still get scratched up too. Yeah. Yeah. But but if you go to a seminar, you'll get a set. And then, like I said, I've been, had a few requests lately. I just had Terry send them out, but uh, they are going to be available in the store at some, at some time. So uh, we'll see. Well, if you're ordering anything else from the store, um, right? Yeah, <clears throat> this, that isn't going to add anything to weight wise to the shipping. So, couple, yeah, it'd be a couple bucks for the overlays, and that'll be it. Yep. So additional shipping charges. Yep. All right. Um, that's all we had on the list. Anybody got anything else that didn't make the list? I got nothing. All right, Jody. I'm good. All right. Very good. Well, thanks everybody for uh, to, uh, listening. I, I want to say tuning in, but I'm not sure we tune into a podcast. Um, anyway, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, 
comments, uh, requests for topics for us to deal with on the podcast here, send those to rules at USPSA.org. Um, all three of us get those emails and we'll be more than happy to get you an answer to any questions. And if you want us to talk about something specific on this podcast, um, we'll add it to the topics list. Uh, we're kind of just starting to turn the corner here where shooting season is coming alive in more of the country. And so the question that, you know, the normal volume of questions will start going up. So we'll have better content uh, or more content for the podcast. But right now we're kind of still in the doldrums and uh, living on questions that we get and stuff that comes up at classes. So, but if you do have, you know, if you do have questions, uh, send them along and we'll be happy to do it. Rules at USPSA.org. And if you are, if your club is looking at doing a class this year, I would get on the calendar. Um, we're, we're seeing a fairly good, uh, st steady stream of class requests coming in. Um, we're starting to book into the summer already. Uh, and so if you're, uh, if you're thinking about having a class, I would go ahead and get it on the calendar and, uh, and we'll, we'll keep going. Um, one thing that did happen this week, last weekend at a class, and I was going to put this on the agenda and forgot. If you're having a class, it's a really good idea to go ahead and collect whatever the fee is going to be that you're going to charge um, from the people that sign up. When you just tell people, oh, just pay me when I when you get there or the club's covering it, the section's covering it, whatever. The people that sign up, a lot of them don't have any skin in the game. And so it's nothing for them to decide to do something else. Um, and this is absolutely not throwing shade on this, this club that I was at this weekend. They had 16 people signed up for the seminar, eight showed. So at $800 minimum for the seminar, those were eight very expensive ROs. So, you know, um, if, and they might not have even gone ahead of what head with the class, if they had known they were going to have eight, I don't know. I didn't ask that question, but, um, those guys, wonderful hosts. I had a really good time. Um, and it was a really good group of students, but uh would have been a lot more fun if it had been the full 16 people. So if, you know, you, I know uh, it's, it's a little bit of a hassle to collect the money up front, but it's very advisable to do so. Um, you can get it set up to where you can collect it right on the registration online. And uh, that's, that takes all, most of the pain out of it. So yeah. Anyway, word of advice. Yeah, I agree. Collect the money ahead of time. Um, people put are more motivated to show up if they have some skin in the game. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, money on the table. Yeah, and along that line, you know, it's it's forty bucks ahead for to NROI. Don't charge forty bucks ahead for your seminar because you're going to have other costs. You're you might have to rent the range. You might have to rent a place to have the have the seminar. You're gonna, you need, you know, coffee and snacks and water and lunch and whatever else. Um, so it's a it's advisable to uh, to charge a little more. I think what for the NROI hosted seminars, what we were charging what 60, 65? Six, 65. Yeah, sixty five. Yeah, that and that do, pretty much covers that part of it. Um, you know, but the club's also responsible for putting up the instructor in a hotel. So, you know, do, do the math, figure out what you need to charge, um, and, uh, you know, charge accordingly. So, and that's, you know, 
part of the other reason you want to have a lot of people there is that way you have many, many people carrying that financial load instead of just a few. So it's, that's advisable if you're thinking about it, but, you know, do go ahead, get those classes on the calendar, you know, and it's, it's really no big deal if the class doesn't make. Um, we, as instructors, once we're assigned a class, we watch, we watch the uh, registration. And, um, if it's not building, we're getting, you know, four weeks out from the class and it doesn't look like it's going to, you know, get a full class. We're going to be in contact with the, those people putting on that class going, Hey, you know, what do you think? Do you want to go ahead? Do you want to postpone? What do you want to do? Um, so, and there's, there's no shame in having to postpone a class. There's no big deal there. It's, and it doesn't cost anything uh, to get all, you know, we just, uh, most of us wait to uh, get our airfare purchased, um, until we know the class is going to make. And so it's, it's not that big a deal. So go ahead and get those classes on the calendar. You might be surprised. Um, I've been to many classes where the host went, well, I thought I was going to get like 20 and they ended up getting like 30 because there was a demand in the area yeah. that, they didn't, that they didn't appreciate. So. As far as scheduling too, I think once we release the steel challenge thing, we're going to have some extra scheduling to do. So. Yep. We'll probably be busy at least, you know, right after it comes out. I know I've had several people say, I want to be the first one to attend it. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I could I don't know how that's gonna work, but we'll try, right? Hmm. So, set it up set it up at your home club and make them come to you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that ought to be great. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah, there'll be another class competing for for instructor resources. So and weekends on the calendar. So yeah, good stuff. Um, we are not yet taking requests for the Steel Challenge course. We have to get that built into the online uh course request form. And I have no idea where that is on Rick's to-do list, but once it's available, we will announce it here and in the downrange newsletter and other places. So once it's available, you'll know about it and you can get in and get those scheduled. All right. Yep. Are we still done? Nobody thought of anything while We're I was done. jabbering We're on? Done. Nope. All right. Nope. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. Good night.